0: Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you. If you have a Bible, could you go to uh, Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. And we'll get into that into just a moment. Read a little bit of God's word um, to us. If you haven't been here, been here the first couple of weeks of 2020, let me explain what's been happening, what we're doing as a church. Um, and that is, we felt at the end of last year, we felt God kind of speak to us, speak to me, um, stuff for the church. And we felt this call from God to, like the disciples asked Jesus in Luke 11 that we're going to go to, to teach us to pray, which is what we're going to be looking at at the outset of this year. We want to learn how to pray as a church. And this is applicable whether you've been a Christian just a few moments or you've been a Christian many, many years, we all have room to grow in this area. And so we've come as a church humbly before our God and said, teach us to pray. And we've got two things going on, two big things that are happening um, in the church at the moment. First one is the prayer course. We are running this through our life groups. This has come out of the 24-7 prayer movement uh, that 's kind of gone worldwide and it 's just a useful course to equip us, help us, provoke us in the area of prayer and we 've done the first two weeks over the last two midweek uh, meetings of our life groups to do this. Um, the first week we looked at why pray, why pray, and we talked about being, keeping it simple, keeping it real, and keeping it up and just last this week we looked at adoration, worshiping God, and we, we learned that thing about PRAY about whether we pause then we rejoice, then we ask, then we yield to God as a model for prayer or just something to help us get into prayer. Um, And these have been really helpful. The feedback we've got, I've been to one week, Melanie, my wife, went to the other week, and then I kind of caught up at home while she was at group and vice versa. So we're caught up, we're doing really well. The feedback we've heard from others has been really positive in groups. So if you're not in a group, Get in one of our groups, follow this along. You can catch up online for the bits you've made. Just go on YouTube, type in prayer course in, and it'll all be there. Another suggestion for parents, Melanie tried this uh, the other week, and she watched the video with our two boys. They're 8 and 10. Um, and the, particularly the 10-year-old really took to it. So if you've got older kids, it's an option. And I've heard of other parents doing this. Watch it with your kids. Use it as an opportunity to talk to them about prayer, what prayer means. So get plugged into that. So we've got the prayer course. The second thing we're doing is our sermon series, which we started last week, this week's number two, where we're looking at this question that the disciples asked of Jesus, and we're looking at Jesus' response, which was to teach them how to pray, and what he did was he taught them what we now know as the Lord's Prayer, which is probably the most famous prayer ever, particularly in Christian circles, known by millions of believers, not just now, but in the past, said all over the world in different languages, and we are looking at it today, um, sort of bit by bit over the weeks we're going, and we're, we're kind of looking at it as a pattern for our life, and we've seen the Lord's Prayer, we've seen it covers all aspects of life, it covers the daily mundane of our food that we eat but it also covers the transcendent nature of who God is, His kingdom and coming about our sin that needs to be dealt with and our protection from the enemy. It is this great all-encompassing prayer. It's also a family prayer because you can't say the the Lord's Prayer without using us or our. There is no I or me in the Lord's Prayer. It's all about us as a church family in a local context, but also in a wider national, international, eternal context of God's people. And so we pray this prayer not only for ourselves, but for others as well. well. The great news is as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we know exactly what God wants for us because He's told us this is how we pray, so we know God's will in that prayer. And we get to partner with Him in seeing His purposes outwork work as we pray this prayer. And last week, the first thing we looked at was the entranceway to prayer, the gateway, the beginning, which was simply one word in our um, translation. we looked, And that was the word, Father. And it was the most important thing about prayer that when we come to pray, we have to remember we're coming before our Heavenly Father who loves us, who is for us, who wants good for us, our Father who is intimate and close and personal, but He's also transcendent and glorious because He dwells in heaven, the prayer says. And so we remember those two things as we come to God with boldness and confidence, but also we come with reverence, knowing who he is and what he is capable of. So if you've missed that, please catch up on any of those stuff so you're up to date uh, with what we're doing. We've also um, been throwing out tips to help you with your prayer life, things that you can just try. And last week, the first thing we looked at was um, some books you can read. It's always good to read books about subjects. So we said there's some books you can read about prayer. And so we, we recommended two. I put the links out on the email. There was one called When You Pray by Philip Graham Ryken, which was all about the Lord's Prayer, if you want to get into that. And then Tim Keller's book on prayer, which is a much more general book on prayer, but also very good. So have a look at those if you've missed it. So tip number two for this week is we've had read books on prayer. The second tip is pray with others. If you want to grow and learn about prayer, pray with other people. Listen to their prayers. Learn from them. I challenged you at the beginning of the year and kind of our first sermon back in 2020, the challenge with you is when you meet up with someone from church in any context, pray with them. Just for a reason, it can be a very quick prayer. You can do it anywhere. But if you're going to meet with someone, why not pray with them? And I am proud to announce that I've done that this week a couple of times. I've also missed a few occasions. when well, only afterwards I suddenly realized I missed that opportunity. But I've also hit a couple, which means that I'm doing more than I did a couple of months ago. And so when you meet with people, take a time to pray with them and get together. And also I want to offer you an opportunity to put that into practice this week, and that is come to our prayer meeting. There are no life groups this week, so there's no prayer course. So if you've missed out, you can catch up. But we are meeting together Tuesday night in this building just down the atrium where we're gonna to gather together and pray as a church. And we have an opportunity this Tuesday, because all the churches in the town this week are having a week of prayer, uh, and they are holding prayer meetings, and we're holding a prayer meeting, inviting the churches, if they wanna come and join us, and we're gonna pray for ourselves and the other churches in this town. And so we're gonna pray that God will bless them, that God will multiply them, that his presence will be on them, so come and join with me and the others who come to make that happen. My biggest heart out of this process is that we would grow as individuals in prayer, but we would grow as a church who prays, and that we would gather together as a family and pray. And that would be a tangible outworking of our time studying the Lord's Prayer and kind of focusing on it over these first 10 weeks of 2020. So I'm encouraging you, this Tuesday, make it a priority. Join us, come together, we're going to worship, we're going to pray. There'll be other people from other churches there, we might get to pray for them and their churches, and it's going to be a fantastic time. So please come along and join us. All right, you you've got your Bible? Let's read um, a little bit from Scripture. Okay, this is where this is our passage for these few weeks. It says this, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord... Teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation." Okay, a little bit of background on the Lord's Prayer, if you missed it last week. This appears twice in our Bibles. We've got Luke 11 here. It also appears in Matthew 6. Each one is actually slightly different. The one in Matthew 6 has a few extra words. If you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, you'll notice they're not in there. Um, But it's a really short prayer. Now, the reason for the differences between the two prayers is because Jesus most likely taught it on more than one occasion. So it's recorded differently by the two different gospel writers. And it wasn't something that was designed to be some sort of mantra that we just say. It was a model, a pattern for prayer, kind of headings to pray through. And it's good to memorize it, it's just so you know it. But actually, it's way more than just the words itself. And so what we're looking at uh, last week and the next few weeks is we're going to go through it line by line. So if you have a quick look at the structure, it begins with Father which is where we started last week, the gateway, the entrance point of prayer. You have to know who you're praying to and who he is and what he's like. And then the rest of the prayer is basically made up of petitions. A petition being a formal request appealing to a higher authority. And so it begins with Father... So that's who we are talking to. That's the one we're coming before. That's the one we're going to make requests of. And then the rest of the prayer is made up of these petitions. And there are five of these petitions in this prayer. And a petition, the way it's written, scholars tell us in its original language, is the the language, they describe it as an imperative, which means it is effectively a demand or even a command. It is incredibly strong language. So let's just think about this. Jesus said when you pray, you come towards Father and then you effectively make demands of Him. You're effectively commanding Him to do something which on the surface doesn't sound good, coming before God and telling Him what to do. Now, we can get around this for two reasons. One, Jesus told us to do it. And who is Jesus? God. So, we're all right. We're on strong ground. He said, do this, and he is God, so we're okay. The second thing we know is what we looked at last week, and that is he is our Father in heaven, which means he loves us, he's for us, he wants us to come before him. He says, come before him with boldness. We also know he is powerful and sovereign, which means he can answer the demands we make of him. And so, Jesus is saying, when you come to pray, you recognize who you're praying to, and then you make certain decisions commands, demands, forceful requests of your Father in heaven. And this prayer is made up of five of them. And the first one is, hallowed be your name. Second one is, your kingdom come. Then you've got, give us our daily bread. The fourth one, forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And the final one, lead us not into temptation. And so what we're looking at now over the next five weeks is we're looking at these petitions that Jesus says, you must come before your Father in heaven and forcefully, faithfully ask Him to fulfill these. And if you look at these petitions, there is a flow through them. What are the first two about? Or more question, who are the first two about? They're all about God. They're not about you or me. In prayer, God's priority is God. <laughs> when we come to pray, our number one priority should be about Him, we start with Father, that's who we're talking to, and then we talk about His name and His kingdom. And so that's when we're at the outset of prayer. The second three, or sorry, the second section, the three, is about us, our provision, our pardon, and our protection, which we will come to when we look at those. So there's the sort of the structure of the prayer. You've got these five petitions. So Jesus is saying, you come to your Father, and you make these five requests of Him. And today we're going to look at the first one, which is, hallowed be your name. That is the first and foremost, Jesus says, that when you come to pray, this is what you should start with. This is what you should begin with. This should be your beginning point in prayer. So what does this mean? What is this about? What is this position? What are we asking from God? Well, hallowed, bit of an old sounding word, means to treat something as highly precious and infinitely valued. Treat something as highly precious and infinitely valued. The other words that kind of go alongside, it could be praise and honor, revere, magnify, exalt, glorify. I read um, other sort of books said that you are to, it means to honor as holy. One book said even it means to holify. You are to holify God's name. Um, and this word holy is very connected with hallowed. Even some translations, the NLT particularly says Uh, For this petition, it says, "May your name be kept holy." That is what we are asking of God. So, what does this word "holy" mean? Well, it's the word the Bible uses most often to describe God. In sheer numbers, He is described as holy. It means He is. It's the word Bible uses to show that God is different from us. He is transcendent, He is other, He is morally pure in every possible way. There is no shadow in Him. He is transcendent, He is above, He is set apart. He is nothing like us in any way and we are different to Him in every way. There is a great chasm between an eternal creator God and a finite created being. And He is holy and above us in every way. And with God, the word is described, uh, used to describe him. but It's also used to, word to describe uh, things that come from him, like his word. The law is described as holy because it comes from God. His people, Israel, were described as holy. Um, even within that, you had the priesthood, you had the Levites, you had the tabernacle, which were described as holy. And even in the middle of the tabernacle, the great tent they carried around the, the desert, there was a bit in the middle, which was the holy of holies, where the presence of God dwelt on earth. And so all these things point to God being holy. And so in this prayer, we are basically saying, God, make holy your name. And this is something that isn't just appear in the prayer of the um, New Testament. It goes throughout the Bible. We read in Psalm 8, it says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Psalm 113, it says, praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and evermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Psalm 34, O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So this idea of bringing honor and glory to God's name Is something that's threaded throughout scripture and Jesus just puts it in the prayer first and foremost, highlighting his importance. So why is it so important about God's name? Why are we gonna, why is that bit being picked? Why should that be hallowed other than anything else? Well, if we think back to last term, we went through the Ten Commandments and we looked at each one in turn and saw how it applied to us and what it taught about God and what it taught about our life. And if we look at the third commandment, it said this: you shall not take the Name of the Lord your God in vain. And so there was something significant about God's name. God revealed his name to his people uh, with Moses through the burning bush. There was that revelation. They didn't know it. And he said, Who are you? And he said, I am who I am. And so God revealed himself um, to his people. Moses then went and led his people and brought them out. Um, of Egypt, and it was the name of the Lord that they were to revere and honor. And so what was it about his name? Well, names didn't just weren't just a bunch of letters. Names mean more than what they actually are. They, they sell you about someone, they signify way more than just a few words on a page. Let me illustrate. my wife is called Melanie, and so that word to me, isn't just a bunch of letters, it signifies uh, my friend, it signifies my wife, the mother of my children, um, uh, someone who I have made a lifelong covenant with, until you only, can only be separated by death, it is someone who I love and adore, and if push came to shove, I would give my life for, and so there is something so more significant than just a word, when you say her name to me, and so it is with the name of the Lord. When you say the name of the Lord, it's not just a word, it's all about his character and who he is and his works and his word and what he's done. And so when we are to honor the name of the Lord, we're talking about everything about him, that we're to give glory and praise and exalt who he is, his characteristics, his love, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his eternal sovereign power, his governing and sustaining of the universe, the fact that he created every single thing that we see or know about, all those things are summed up in his name. And so we are to honor and hallow his name. All his works, ways are perfect, all his works are good, and they are worthy of our honor and glory and praise. And this isn't just an Old Testament concept. If we move into the New Testament, this thing the idea of the name of the Lord being praised comes up again. If we read Philippians 2, it says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Even our salvation is linked to God's name. It says, And such were some of you, 1 Corinthians 6, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Sanctified and justified. Salvation right there. In Matthew 28, when Jesus told to his followers and said, Go out, take my message. What did he say? He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see the whole trinity present there. The name of God is so much more than just words. It's all who he is and what he represents. And Jesus is saying at the outset of this prayer, you are to hallow his name. You are to honor and glorify his name, for he alone is worthy. And so when we pray, we start with recognizing that, praising that, giving honor and glory to that, because... He is the only person throughout all of history who is truly worthy of that. We give our honor and our glory to so many different things that frankly do not measure up. Whether it's pop stars or movie stars or sports stars or whatever, or the latest political ideology or personal, or someone based thinker on something, we, we want to give them glory, we want to glory, we want to praise them. But actually, there's only one who is worthy of all honor. All glory and power, and that is the Lord above in heaven. It even goes, we go to the end of our Bible, we look in Revelation, we read this. It says, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Revelation 7.12, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever Amen. That is what we are to do. What God has done for us is worthy of honor and glory and respect and reverence. And so when we start out in prayer, when we are learning how to pray, Jesus says to his followers, that's where you begin. You recognize who you're talking to and then you give him honor and respect. And the reality is, we know from the Bible that uh, the enemy has blinded us. The world is blind to this truth. It will do anything it can not to give God the glory that he deserves. It will do anything it can to belittle it, to, to make it small, to factor him out of the equation, to ignore him, to diminish him and depower him. But actually, if we have been saved, it says that we have seen the truth. God has revealed it to us. Our eyes have been opened and Jesus is saying, that's where you need to begin. You need to begin first and foremost with honoring God for who he is and what he has done. That's where we begin. That's where we start. That's where our hope is found in our great mighty God. And so that's the one we praise. Which is why when we start our meetings together, we do actually think about how it works and so when we begin with times of singing together, our standing kind of order to the worship leader is we start with God-focused, exalting songs. That's why we sing what we sing. So when we come in here together, and no matter what kind of week you've had, good week, bad week, you know, no matter what you, how you've you know, been this morning, it was a bit cold this morning, did it take you longer, de-icing the car, all these things... Kind of buzzing around. Were the kids good? Were they not good? Things dragging over from the week. When you come together and we're here as the family of God, the first thing we're going to do together is honor His name. We're going to take our eyes off ourselves, off our problems, which could be significant. Don't want to diminish them, but actually we're going to put the put them on the one person who is significant always and is the most significant and is the most worthy of glory and honor and power. And so when we sing together. We start with God exalting, God glorifying, God praising songs that are all about him and not about you or me. And so as we come together, he is always first in our mind. He is always first in our mind. He's always the one we begin with and that's why we pray today. And I just want to say publicly, Matt, that was fantastic this morning. It's almost like you knew what I was going to preach about. But it was just like, that was amazing. That was really good. We praise God. I don't know when the last time I sang how great is our God. It's been a while, but that was great. It was like, yes, you are awesome and majestic, and we praise you, and we love you. So that's where it begins. All right, what does this mean for us? Let's apply it to our lives and kind of how are we going to put this together? How do we hallow God's name in our lives? Well, there's a few things we can do. The first one is if we're going to hallow God's name, he needs to be holy in us we're going to hallow God's name he needs to be holy in us so what does this mean for us first and foremost if you're not a christian here the, f- the first thing you need to do is you need to become a christian you need to give your life to jesus you need to turn away from your sin you need to recognize who god was who jesus was who he said he was that he came to earth he lived as a man he was born of a virgin he was perfect sinless the bible says He then died on a cross in our place for our sins. He rose bodily from death, resurrected. He then ascended into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit on the church, which has been going ever since. And our mandate is to tell you that you need to come to Jesus. You need to turn away from living your own way of life. You need to join his family, know him as father, and come and be part of what God's doing in our world. And so if you're going to think about this prayer and what it means to you, that's what you need to do. You need to go back to the first one and think, I need to know my Father in heaven. I need to know my Father in heaven. And to hallow his name, I need to repent of my sin. I need to recognize that I can't run this. It's not, I'm not the center of the universe. It's not all about me. Recognize the things I've done wrong, but recognize his love and his grace and his mercy towards you. Turn away from that and choose to follow him all the days of your life. If that's for you, I'd love to chat with you at the end about what that means how you kind of work that through, talk to you about that. What about if you're a believer here? Many of us are. How do we do this? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to live lives of worship and adoration. We talked about that in the prayer course this week. That was what the, the session was titled, adoration, about worshiping him. We need to look to him and praise him and build a lifestyle of praise. We need to see him as our true source of satisfaction. He's the one who we look to and we praise, and only he can truly satisfy us. I don't know, is anyone here recently turned 47? Just out of curiosity. Anyone? Anyone near 47? Yeah, a few of you? Okay. Got some bad news for you, all right? (laughs) Have you ever wanted to know the exact age of maximum human unhappiness? Cinema magazine, it's, 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 it's all true, it's in here. It's 47.2. Economists can be relied on to gauge complex phenomena with implausible precision. And this week, a US, it always is, God bless them, National Bureau of Economic Research study has pinpointed the average amount, or the average moment of peak misery. <laughs> Happiness has long been thought follows a U shaped curve. You start off with high hopes, few responsibilities, but in your 20s, 30s, and early 40s, things get steadily worse. You're welcome. As work, family, and family pressures mount, and you fall into a trough of middle-aged despair, wrangling children, elderly parents dealing with financial strain, weight gain, hair loss, divorce, etc. I don't know what what they add to that list, what's etc. Then things get gradually better. Because it's a you as the pressures lift and you come to terms with your slightly disappointing life. <laughs> What's interesting about this study by David Blanchflower, previously of the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee, is that it seems to reveal a universal pattern. He has studied data from 132 countries and found evidence of a U-shape in subjective well-being, that was in quotes, in 132 countries, though it reaches a low point a year later in less developed countries. The happiness curve is everywhere, he declares. The bad news, in Britain at least, is that you only get about halfway up the curve on the other side. (laughs) Though things look up in your 50s and 60s. It's never glad, confident 20 again. Even so, the great thing about this report is that it brings hope to the people who need it most. The most miserable people in the world, 47.2 year olds. It's going to get better, apparently, after that. I'm on the run down to 47.2, so if I just look miserable, that's why, okay? Anyway, why did I tell you that? (laughs) I don't know. I read it this week and I thought, you know that's really interesting. And it also made me giggle, but... What, I, what it points to, what it's indicative of is our, our world tries to find satisfaction everywhere but God. It'll find, try and find satisfaction in work, in money, in power, in experiences, in family, in sex, in, in just pleasure of some sort, none of which are bad. God created those. But actually, our only place of ultimate satisfaction is in God. The only way you can be truly happy. And in the prayer course, there was a couple of quotes that, um, that came out that struck me. It said um, this one. He read this out from the Book of Common Prayer. He said, adoration is lifting up the heart and mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. And then he read one from C.S. Lewis. He said, in commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. Give yourself to Worship. Give yourself to worship because only in Him do we find our true satisfaction. There are many other things in life which are good and great. God created them and we are to enjoy them, explore them, experience them. But ultimately through Him do we find our true satisfaction. So give yourself to worship we gather in church. Get here, get ready, get ready to go. Get your kids ready if you've got them. This is what we're doing. We talk to our boys every day on the car on the way here. When we start we're going to worship. When the countdown hits and the music begins, and we're going to worship God together because he's worthy of our praise. Do it alone. Put CDs on, music on, in the car, wherever you're around. Put them in your, your ears with your, your phone or whatever it is so you are a worshiping people. We're also called to live holy lives. So we praise God and we give glory and honor to his name because he is glorious, but also we are called to live out holy lives. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But you... Uh, but sorry, he has called you who is holy and that you also be holy in your conduct. The Bible describes us as saints if you're a believer in Jesus. Saint literally means holy one. And so we, are, we have a holy God who we worship, but actually we too have been made holy and we are to live in accordance with that. So when we pray this prayer... We honor and recognize who God is. We worship and say, you are glorious, you are majestic, you are magnificent. We call out all the attributes of God that we can think of. We know from our Bible. We read the Psalms that praise him. Those great prayers in the Bible that talk about his honor and glory. But we also pray that God will be glorified and hallowed in our own lives. And if that's the case, we need to go through our life and do a quick audit. Is God honored and glorified in the way you talk? Is his name hallowed by how you speak to others? Do we pray, Lord, make my words holy and honoring to you in all who I I speak to? Which can be particularly challenging with that work colleague. You know the one, the one who is infuriating and demanding and obnoxious. Lord, pray, make me hallow your name as I speak to them. What about my conduct, how I interact with those around us? We need to pray, Lord, make my actions holy and honoring to you. May I show love, compassion, and mercy to those around me, my family, my work colleagues, my friends, the people I interact with, even the strangers I meet on the street. God, hallow your name in my life. What about what we think about, the bits that no one knows, the bits that's hidden from everyone? Lord, make my mind pure in its thoughts. Make them honoring to you how I think about others, how I think about you, how I think about my life and what you've Done in me, purge me from impure, imperfect, selfish, self-centered, dishonoring thoughts. What about when we come to our Bible and we pray? Do We pray, Lord God, let your word transform me that my life will be holy as the way you want it. Help me, give me grace to repent of my sin, to put things right, to forgive others. We're coming to some of these petitions later, but Lord, do we pray these. God, hallow your name in me. What about in the church as a whole? With a family bread, we pray for our church, that God's name will be honored and glorified, that it would be a place of holiness, a place of community that people come into. There wouldn't be slander and backbiting and gossiping and factions and cliques, but a place where everyone can come together and be loved and honored and worshipped. When we begin our day and we pray, we come for our Father in heaven. We say, God, hallow your name. Hallow your name and we praise him and we worship you him in response to that and then we say, God, do it in my life. How I live, how I act. Would, would my, your name be hallowed through my conduct that if people look at me, they would see and honor and glorify your name because of how I've acted? The great news as we've looked is that God wants to answer these prayers. God wants to do these things in our lives and he has the power and the authority to do it. And the last thing, and we'll finish, is that we need to pray God's name will be made holy in the world. So it wouldn't just stop here. It wouldn't just terminate on us. Moving out from this place, God wants his name to be known by all peoples of the earth. We know that because he says it in his word that all nations would know him, all nations would worship him. We go at the end of the book, have a sneak peek at the end, and you see the great throne in heaven, and before it there are representatives from every tribe and every people and every nation, all worshiping God together, all honoring and praising his name. And so we can pray with confidence, we can pray with authority that God's would be na- name would be made holy out there. God's name will be made holy out there. So we need to pray for our homes where we live, God, would your name be hallowed here. Would this be a place of refuge and peace and love that the poor, the broken are, are welcome in there, in here. Strangers can come and be welcomed in to where this is, that your name would go forth from here and people would be saved as a result. People would be healed as a result. Pray for your family, that the name would be made holy in your family. There may be those who don't know you yet, Lord God. We pray that your name be made holy in their lives that their life would be transformed, that they would call on you as the only one who can save, the only one who can bring satisfaction, the only one who can forgive sins. God, make your name holy in their lives. What about our workplace? Lord, make this place a place where it is shown as gracious and compassionate and abounding in love. May my presence here affect the culture of what's around. Would your name be made holy in how people speak and talk to each other? What about the school where you send your kids or you might go yourself? Lord, make this place a place where you're known as a loving father. That every pupil would know you for themselves as God. That every pupil would honor your name. where the staff would know it. What about our city? What about our nation? Going through great, who knows what it's been going through over the last few years. But there's still a lot more to come. We pray for our nation, God, that this will be a nation where your name is honored. It's been so in in the past, not so much now. God, we pray that you return to that, God. We pray it would exceed that, that peace and justice would be known by all, that your righteousness would reign over everything, and that you would be honored and glorified in all that we do. That This place would be known again as a place where the church is active, the church is triumphant, that Jesus' name is honored and glorified, that the orphans and the widows come in and find a family where the poor, the broken, the outcasts are looked after and cared for, that your righteousness and your justice flows right from government all the way down. That's how we're to pray. Hallowed be your name. Shall we do that now? Do you want to stand? Can the band come up? Let's pray. May just wanna if you can, just stand yourselves up. Maybe I wanna just close your eyes. Um, one of those things we learned from the course this week was about it begin you've been praying and he said pause, isn't he? So let's just take a moment. Pause, take a deep breath, focus on him, and maybe just in this moment God might just drop some stuff into your heart that he might want to talk to you about. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this prayer that you taught us. Thank you that you showed us that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. Thank you that you said you can come to him with confidence. You can come to him with boldness. You reminded us that he is awesome and mighty, but he said he is still your father, so come to him. We thank you for these petitions, Lord, and we pray today for this first one, God. We ask that your name would be made holy. Lord God, I pray that it would be seen as holy in this place. It would be revealed as holy. In our lives, Lord God, we reflect on our lives, the way we speak, the way we act, where we go, what we do. Lord God, we pray that your name will be made holy in us. Lord Jesus, if you know there are areas of your life that have been out of kilter with what God would have for you, maybe you just get right with him now. Just repent, forgiveness, get back right with him. Lord Jesus we pray for us as a people as a church God we pray that your name will be made holy through us it would be revealed holy your awesomeness and power would be shown to a watching world Lord Jesus we pray for us as a nation Lord God that your name will be honored in this place it would no longer be the butt of jokes used as an expletive or as an object of derision it would no longer be made small by government or media or those around, actually, it would be honored and revered and given its true place. Lord Jesus, we pray for a greater revelation of your holiness in us and in the world around us. Lord Jesus, we pray for a revelation of your awesome holiness in people's lives. You don't know you. That they would come to know you for themselves. That they would be able to have a relationship with you, find their hope, find their trust, find their satisfaction in you. Lord Jesus, we pray for seats of government and power that your name would be, made, would be honored in those places and righteousness and justice and care for the poor and the marginalized and the broken and the hurt would be a priority in legislation, Lord Jesus. We pray for us in all the places we walk, all the homes, all the workplaces, the schools, the, everywhere we go, God, I pray you would use us to... Make your name holy in those places to reveal something of your grace, your love, and your kindness there. And Lord God, now as we come and praise your name, as we give glory to you, Lord Jesus, we pray you would fill us with your spirit, that we would honor and magnify your name now, that we would revere it, that we would sing our praises, we would raise our hands, we would fix our eyes on you and say, God, you alone are worthy of our praise Would the things of this world just pale into insignificance against your glory and your majesty? And God's people said...